everybody. Doing well? Are you loving? I'm loving September. I love fall this way. I love the the beauty, uh, just the way the sun hits and just the just the experience we're having with these leaves that they're changing and we know very quickly the wind and rain will come and we're not going to think about that because we're just enjoying today. So I hope today, no matter what you've gone through, what you're facing, that today is a day that God has for you and I here in just even this very moment. So welcome here in person. If we haven't met, my name is Dan. I serve as the pastor here. So I've been in and out a little bit the last couple of weeks. So we're, who is really, you know, drives a ship? Jesus does. So we'll trust in that. If you're online as well, we just want to welcome you. And thanks for, for joining us here today. This is a great day. This is a perfect day to be with us as we start this journey in Genesis together. And as you watched in that that video, that that is that is a that that work right there is this work. So what you saw there was that was being done, and and so really appreciate Jill Winfield Wingfield, who is is a the art our local artist and part of our church. And this is her setup here. Uh, we didn't steal everything for her. Now she can't do any artwork any longer. Uh, but this is a setup we have, and this is her this is her supplies, and this is. This is where it all began, and that's the theme of our series here in Genesis, is where it all began. It started somewhere. It started somewhere, but how, how many know at times we can maybe try to trace back to where it all started, but a lot of times we're asking the question, where are we? <laughs> how did I get here? This is the question I want to talk about for a moment here. How did I get here? How did I get to this place? You know, how did I, not just drove here and the route to get here to church today, how did I even get here in life? I don't know how many road trips you've taken or different things you've done over the summer and, and we find ourselves in places that we never thought we'd be because we didn't tend to go that way, but we ended up that way. Several years ago, well, probably about 20 years ago or so, my wife and I, we just we moved to uh, southeast Idaho and we're only probably maybe 100 and 20 miles away from Salt Lake City, and so we had gone down to Salt Lake and back as a little day trip, and then someone suggested to us, hey, a, a more scenic route would be to go through Bear Lake and go around in beautiful blue water. You're going to love Bear Lake, and so her and I decided to, to go that route, and, and as we're going along Bear Lake, we got in some really good conversation, and, and I would say, we would say really heated conversation. Okay, we were arguing. To this day, though, looking back after these many years, we don't remember what the conversation or the argument was about. But we do remember that day is because as we left southeast Idaho and heading to Utah, we're driving along and all of a sudden we see a sign that says, Wyoming. <laughs> so I pull into a service station and not joking, I go to the tenant and I say, Sir, I'm not drunk, but what state are we in? And, you know, he said, Feller, you're, you're in Evanston, Wyoming. Now, I didn't know people from Wyoming had a southern accent, but this guy did. We were 80 miles off to the beaten track of where we're going. There was a turn way back. But my wife wanted to talk about whatever we're talking about. No, it was probably me in the midst of it, because I'm the driver. I wasn't responsible to make that turn, right? 
We don't know what we remember, but we remember that moment. We didn't know where. We, we Really, what, you know, what state we were in. We were in a state of confusion, right? We had no idea where we, where we end up until we discovered this place. And I, I think about that in our life is that we were lost physically, but how many know there's no, other types of lostness? See, we can get distracted and busy and, and conflict can happen in our lives that we veer off in the wrong direction and we lose our way in many different ways. Maybe you found yourself. We, we lose our way in, in friendships or relationships with our kids, in our marriage relationship, our co-worker relationship, whatever it might be. And more importantly, we can veer off the beaten track in our relationship with God. And there's a, this type of lostness there that it's not about the location of being lost. It's actually about, it's, up, it's about the condition of losses. So we can, we can be in the right place physically where we are like, but we can be so lost within our own heart or in, or in our own soul. We can be deeply emotionally lost where we find ourselves in the wrong place, not because of the direction we're going, but because the destination we're going, because of the condition of where we're at. There's a state of lostness that, that we find ourselves in. And, and so what do we do? What do we do when we're lost? Well, we need to retrace our steps. We need to go back to the point when we maybe weren't lost. How far do we go back? Well, Idaho? How far? There. Our birth? How far? Well, to the very beginning, to, to, to where it all began. And that, that's our journey through the book of Genesis that here at Christ the King we're going to start this morning at the beginning. And so our fall series, is, as Jake mentioned, we are uh, doing Genesis and going back to the, to the beginning. And we're going to look at that and start here in a moment. But we want to encourage you that um, before you leave today, you make sure you take one of our growth guides. It's been really enjoyable the last few years where we've had seasons where we're offering our growth guide. We're offering times to gather as we do on Sunday morning, as well as our groups. And so just as a rhythm for you, as you're getting kind of, you know, you know, kids are back into school. We're going to get in the fall season. Um, I find that really... Football, for some reason, helps me get in a rhythm. I don't know what it is, the Seahawks playing, but there's this, this kind of neat rhythm of the fall. We want to invite you to a spiritual rhythm this fall. And the way it works is you, when you get your booklet today, you'll have some introduction to it and just the whole premise of it and introduction to, to Genesis. But this is the weeks, and it basically gives you an outline. And what we've done in the past, this, is, this has kind of been the rhythm, is you start with your growth guide, and reading the scripture that's there for the week, and then gathering here on Sunday morning is our gathering time that we talk about something that's within the chapters that was assigned to read, and then the following week after the Sunday is when you discuss it in a small group. So growth guides, gathering in groups. Now last week, unfortunately, there, we had some printing issues and things. We were hoping to get this in your hands as a, as a, to get you going. So I encourage you today to, you know, you might have to catch up if you didn't read Genesis 1 and 2. You can read that. You can take your book and read it or record what you had read this last week and stick that in your booklet. But I invite you to begin to read Genesis 3 and 4 this coming week because in the following Sunday that we'll talk about that. Now, if you're in a group, so we read Genesis 1 and 2. Some of you did. Today we're going to talk about it. 
And then this week in our small groups, if you're in a group, it will be discussing that. That's the rhythm of what we're doing. So growth guides, gathering groups to do that. And, and as Jake mentioned, if you're not in a group, we really want to invite you to be in a group. We want to help you be in a group. Uh, our Jake and our, and our small group coaches, they would just love to. There's different nights of the week, different groups are meeting. We have men's groups, we have women's groups, we have couples groups. We actually have groups or potential groups for all age levels as well. Our, our students gather on Sunday evening in small group as well when they gather here for United for middle school and high schoolers at 6.30. So we really are big into small groups because as mentioned, Jake mentioned, like we're trying to move out of the rows and into out into circles, out into our community, but first building community together. So make sure you get your book as you leave. If you have a friend that's going to participate or family member or whatever, make sure you take a book for them as well as we do this together. Excited about it. But I, I love I love the artwork. I love the 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 whole idea of where it all began. Where do we go back to the beginning? Well, the book of Genesis, actually the word means origin, means where do we start? Where do we go back to the, the record of human history? And so just like real life history, it's the Bible describes it here of what happened, of, of the beginnings of civilization, uh, understanding of how the world was created, how this nation of Israel that we're going to look at here. And when we get into the chapters of each of these, as we build this series, if you've read through Genesis before, it kind of goes from really, really good to really not so good. Like, it just slides off, like, really bad of, of civilization. And the stuff we're going to read in Genesis, you're going, they put that in the Bible? Is that legal? Is that, you know, that is that Christian? I mean, there's some things. And guess what? There's things that are not Christian in the Bible. <laughs> People that did things in the Bible, and it all stems back. And how did they get there? How did they end up? Again, loss us as a condition, not just a location. Well, we've got to go back to the, to the source. And so this morning, that's where we're going to go. And in fact, to the very beginning, in the very, the very first verse of the Bible we'll look at, well, in the very first word, the very first word is in the beginning. Now, some of you, if you weren't here last week with Be Still sharing about this, some of you go, bro, that's three words, okay? In the beginning. Well, if you learned from Brian last week that that's one Hebrew word. Do you remember the word? Does anybody remember last week? For sheets, okay? We didn't get the roll. Brian had it down. We didn't learn, you know, if you, got, if you butcher Hebrew, I'm with you on that. For sheet, it's one word in the beginning. And what did it mean? It meant the highest, the greatest gift, the biggest gift, the, the, the money bite. Remember he talked about? That was the choices that what God gave and gave not the greatest thing in creation which it was but what did he give ultimately his very son the Bershit was his son and we're going to spend some time here in a few minutes before I end around the communion table remembering this greatest gift if you're watching online make sure you grab a, some juice and a cracker as we're going to participate here in a few minutes but the, in the beginning the Bershit and it says then that it, God God Created the heavens and the earth. The, the ultimate gift, the ultimate was the ultimate came from the ultimate giver. And, and what I love about Genesis 1 1 is it it settles so much in just this one verse. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You know what it does? It's pretty amazing. It refutes a lot of false claims that man gives of origin. You go, go with me on this, but it refutes atheism. And, and, and it's 
There, there's no other creator but God. It refutes deism, which means that God somehow created and removed himself. No, you'll, you'll read in Genesis 3 that, no, he, he really wants to be very, very involved in his creation. It, refu it refutes pantheism, which says that God is in everything. Well, God is in the trees, and God isn't. No, no, God's God. God's separate from his creation. He's transcendent from his creation. It refutes polytheism. It's, the, it's God. It's Elohim, the Jehovah. It's the, in Hebrew, it's the, it's the one and only God, the, the capital L, the capital G of who he is. And then it refutes dualism. Somehow we, we want to find balance in the universe. The yin and the yang and the good and the evil. If you're a Star Wars fan, it's the, it's the dark side and the good side. No, there's, no there's, there's God Almighty and everything else. God and God alone is creation. And then, of course, it refutes humanism because God created, not man created. So God created man, and, and, he de and there's a declarations that are giving, and there's this beautiful work that comes together. And as we look into Genesis... Brian alluded on this last week as well, is we really need to approach the, the, the book of Genesis as, as, as literature, as, as genre of literature that the Hebrew, ancient Hebrew people put together. It was written, it was really written as a poem, not a lab report. Our series, I want to make sure you know, is we're not here to, to debate young earth and old earth and that's another series and go for it and there's great studies you can do on that we're actually looking at the gift we're looking at the work we're looking at the art of what god created and really getting to the meaning of why he created and we need to recognize that the book of genesis it doesn't explain everything that needs to be explained there's meaning that can point back to it but it doesn't have all those details. I mean, you, you could Google check me on this, but there's 350,000 types of species of beetles, okay? So you could, there, there's no, you can't explain it. I like how the, the apostle Luke says, even about Jesus' life, he says this, that Jesus did many other things as well. If, if every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would have been written. So even in the three and a half years of Jesus, we don't have all every word he shared with us. So is it, does it, is, it, is it a completeness? Well, we'll talk about what completeness means, but it doesn't have all those details. It doesn't solve all the mysteries of life because, well, we would, if we knew that, we would be God in the first place. Genesis is written to be admired, to show the, the, the creator, the artist God, and what he truly created. And so Hebrew literature is so beautiful because it's written and has different literary devices and different repetitions. This kind of how, like we sing songs. Sometimes some of you like, we sing the song over and over again. The repetition, you know, the verse and the chorus and the second verse and the chorus. Why do we do that? To drive you crazy? Uh, no, because we're getting it in us. And so that we're, that song's within you and then you take it throughout the week and you're, you're driving along and you're in traffic and not, life's not going good and all of a sudden that song from Sunday comes up on your head in your head and your heart that's what that's what the scripture is to be is something that we're to experience you know when we we talk about how to do this booklet it, it starts with the head what we're knowing and then it goes to the heart and then it goes to the hand it goes from our what we're thinking and what we're feeling into what we're we're doing that's the that's the heart of this series but it's really the heart of scripture for us and so when we look at what god's done we're not looking at it as a as an art critic 
we're looking at as an admirer. We're looking at like, wow, God, look what you did. And yes, maybe how you did it, but the, the intricacies and the, and the nature and how you created. And even the best of artists, they can't create as much as you could try to paint and even try to photograph Mount Baker. There's no way to capture it and what God has really done. Because we, we, but we step back and we admire the work that he done. It's pretty amazing. So in this single verse, we have the beginning. And then in verse 2, it says this, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. I just love that. The Spirit of God, the, the intricate work of God himself uh, through the Holy Spirit was this pneuma, this, 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 this breath of God and this work of God that's happening. And it's, it's like almost like that the Lord is like, this hovering, it's his protection, it's his work. He's like an artist is getting prepared and ready to do this great work. The canvas is being set. And it's interesting, this whole thing of darkness. You, hopefully you know scientifically that darkness is not a force. It's just a mass. It's just when there's no light, it's just an emptiness. It's a void. Darkness is, is dissipated when just a little bit of light comes in. You've done that in a very, very dark, pitch dark room, and you come in with a little flashlight looking for something, it just brightens up the whole room. And it's the same way spiritually, God's light, you know, maybe we feel pressed and depressed, or even maybe demonic forces that are encroaching us. That's, that, that's not what we're talking about. That darkness does not, is not have a power. The, the devil likes us to believe that, because he's a bully, and he'll try to He'll try to duke us to believe that, but that's not the case. When, when God's little bit of light comes in, it shines, and it's the force that we have. And, and, and the force is this. It says this, and God said, and God said. It's a powerful thing that God said, and, God, and, and, and it was this very voice that speaks it into being. And we see this phraseology over and over in this poem. God said, and God said, and God said. It's repeated six times in creation. And for one of those, he says, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light was good. And, you know, we, we admire James Webb uh, uh, um, telescope. Amazing pictures we're getting back. It's just unbelievable. But we can't forget the Hubble telescope actually showed us that the universe is expanding. So when God said, let there be light, and there was light, and if the universe is expanding, guess what? It's still expanding. God's still creating. Just like a, a rock that ripples in a pond, these waves are, let there be light, let there be light, let there be light. Isn't that amazing? God is still at work, still active in his creation. And after the six days, or, or, and it says, then, the, then God separated the light and the darkness, and God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And then there's this repetition of these six days with this phrase over and over, these six days, there was evening and there was morning in the first day. There was evening and there was morning in the first day. Uh, recognize this in the Jewish day, the day started in the evening, not in the morning. Very important to know that. We'll talk about that here again in a second. And then God made these decorations. It is good. So we see the first four days that, that God created his infrastructure, the, the galaxies and the earth and the sky and the land and the seas. And then on the fifth and sixth day is where he created living creatures. He created the birds and the fish and, and, the, and, and the animals and these three realms. And of course, then at the end, he created, which we'll get to here, the prized creation. 
I love the fact that God spoke. Psalms tells us this, how he created, points to him as a creator. It says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him, for he spoke it and came to be. That's the power of our God, the power of our artist, the creator that spoke it into being. And this is now our, the prize creation. Verse 26, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the living and the livestock and over the earth and over every creepy thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. By the, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. We, the prize creation, it's, it's the only description second to, uh, separating us from all of creation and all of all creatures that were created by God. We are unique. We're created in His image. You need to know this. We're created in His image, and then we are created male and female. Now, up until the last few years, that wouldn't be very controversial, would it? There's a lot of confusion today in this massive topic. And, and it's for some, it's very personal. People that you know, and maybe your own experiences of battling identity and who we are, especially when it comes to gender and, and to sex, gender, and those that whole debate. And we need to, you know, at Christ the King, we, we believe in two genders, male and female. And the reason we believe that is going, we go back to God's design. When the world's confused about it, we go back to the foundation that's there. There's two biological distinct differences God expressed of two different types of humans. Actual, the actual Hebrew words of language make up these distinctions. Male, which is zadar, zakar, and female is nekbah. I do not know Hebrew that well, okay, at all. I just know the words there. Sorry for the mispronunciation. But knowing this, there's two distinct types of people that are there. And so we keep that in mind. But here's so, so important for us. As followers of Jesus, we are to have care and compassion and approach and discernment for the people that struggle today with this. People feeling their opposite gender, the way they were biologically born, is a huge challenge and a lot of confusion for a lot of people. It's a massive Topic, And we'll talk a little bit next week just in the fallenness and the brokenness of the world that's brought a lot of confusion in what we're experiencing. But we need to know statistically, this, this is important to know, that says 1.7% of our population um, has intersex traits. So there's, there's a small percentage of people that were born with both sex parts, basically. And so there was decisions made, even at birth, to choose biologically which which gender someone would be. So that was a decision of parents with the wisdom of doctors and, and, and surgeons. And so we, we need to recognize that there's some in our, in our society, and, and that might be some of the stories you know or people know or yourself, that this is a challenge that, that you actually grew up and you were supposed to be this gender, but you actually feel differently. And there just needs to be a lot of compassion. The 1.7% out there is, is not a lot, but there's people out there recognize this is a challenge for people, and we need to show compassion. We need to show care and concern uh, and, and much empathy. Preston Sprinkle wrote a great balanced approach handling 
just the topic and of it all in fact he really makes an emphasis don't make it an issue make it about the people his, his book called him embody transgender identities the church and what the bible says he says this it can be easier to adopt a depersonalized posture one that forgets about the the lives of real people a posture of argumentation instead of listening a posture of being right instead of being loved now that last statement could cover a lot of different things, right? Not just this particular issue in our world. So there's truth and there's sensitivity to, to love and for people is, is a big deal. Didn't think we need to go there in our world, but we, that's where we are. And so we're having to work through all that we're working through. But here's the end the declaration is God created everything and he called it good. But when he got to man, he said it's very good you are very good you are created why you're created in the image of god that when god created you and shaped you and formed you he shaped him like himself there's a there's an image that's there you it's kind of like the chip off the old block with someone saying oh you might i can tell you're related to that person yeah we we have the characteristic and traits of of god we're not god but we we, we express it that way in in in, in, our, in who we are so create creation account tells us this who made us God said, let us, let us make man in our image. God created us out of community for community. If you're wondering where, where the first small group started, it was God. God three in one, first community was Father, Son, and, and Holy Spirit. We are made with purpose to reflect the image of our creator. And then he says to reproduce, to be fruitful and multiply. Now that's a challenge for people. There's people in our world that that wanted to be fruitful and multiply and not able to do that. Many people spend lots and lots of money and lots of time and attention and prayer and heartache to have a, a child, and some are not able to do that. Does that negate these people? No, 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 not at all. The, the broader approach of being fruitful and multiply is what we are to do as disciples of Jesus, to go and make disciples. So this, this plays out in so many different ways. But we have purpose to see our life be fruitful and multiply uh, as followers of Jesus. What does God think of us? That we are very good. We are created in his image. And, and if you don't feel like you're very good, you're basically telling the artist that this sucks. This is no good. Like, no. We're telling the artist of his work. We are, are shaped that the, we, are the, we are the evidence of this great work. It's there. And if you don't feel like you're very good, then you're negating the very cross of Jesus himself, that God came and he loved us with significant value through Christ, that we have been redeemed and we, were, we are, have been significant. In fact, you can put it this way, your significance, you can write this in, is based on who you are, not what you do. Your significance is based on who you are, not what you do. Do. We, we didn't produce anything of our life when we came to, to being, but God did that work, and he called it good, and he, he reinforced it. Uh, in, in fact, in the seventh day, it says this in God's creation. The seventh day, he says that the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them, and on the seventh day, God finished his work he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work. And he had done, so God blessed the seventh day and made it holy 
Because of it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. I just love that picture as God created everything, and he created this masterpiece called the universe and us and everything and his creation, and then he stepped back and he admired his creation. That is amazing. And so when he declared it holy, that's what he's doing. There's this awe, even God himself. Now, God didn't, God, did God need to rest some days because he's really, really tired? No, he didn't need to do that. But he models to us what rest truly looks like. And he declared it to be holy. Holy actually means set apart, and it actually is connected to completeness. I think it's Amazing, always back to Hebrew literature and how the 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 the, the book of, of Genesis was was not a lab report, it was a it was a poem. It was written this way. I love the symbolism of the seven. Seven, number seven in the Bible means completeness. I find this fascinating that the seven is woven in, number seven is woven in every part of the story. There's seven days of creation. There's seven announcements that creation is good. There's seven Hebrew words in the opening verse. There's the seventh day has three lines of seven words god god was his tapestry of what he was creating and it's interesting it says he he created in six days and he said there's morning and evening the the first day morning and evening the second day morning and evening the third day but it, what we find is in the seventh day he doesn't have that stanza the 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 the, the, the hebrew writer did not write that he didn't put that down why because many believe is there is there's a completeness to what God did, but there's this ongoing work that He's continuing to do. It's God's invitation to us that He has. The seventh day is this go it goes on forever. God's invitation to you and I to trust that even the Creator, He He had this this place of rest, this completeness that was there. There wasn't gonna be another day. It didn't need to be another day. There's this work that's there. And he called this day Sabbath. And we spent a few different sessions talking about Sabbath over, over the summer. But Sabbath is such a significant thing because God modeled rest for us and for us to find rest because we are human beings, not human doings. Sabbath is mentioned, or the day is mentioned, it's evening and morning is the day. The Sabbath day, the Jewish people, the Shabbat, starts in the evening. It starts on a Friday evening at sundown and goes to a Saturday evening on sundown. It doesn't start in the morning. And I think we need to recognize, and the, the Jewish people got, got it figured out, that when you start your day, you don't start your day with production. You start your day by going to bed. Some of you are like, that sounds really good. I love to start my day by sleeping in. Okay, well, that's called a day out. The Sabbath is there. But that, that's, what's, what are you trying to portray? It's that you're, it's not about your production. It's not about your work. It's God's economy is, is not based on what you do. God's economy is based on his good creation. The Sabbath actually is something, it's a gift. We, 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 American church has done a terrible job over the many decades and centuries Portrayed as a boring day off. I can't have any fun. Maybe you grew up as a kid. I had to, Sundays. I couldn't do anything fun. That's not what it's about. Sabbath. Jesus says it's it's not a man for the Sabbath. It's it's Sabbath for man. It was created for man. Sabbath is this reminder of this. And this is the reminder. I encourage you with this. It's a reminder of this. Our trust is tested in rest. At the seventh day in this creation, the culmination is that our trust is tested in the rest. 
you, you're, t- you're actually trusting God in the rest. And what that means is whatever you got going, all the busyness and all the things, because I think what we find ourselves is, it's not just the work, it's the worry. It's not just the work and the things I got to do, it's the worry of getting it done or whatever else is going on that's out of my control. And God is giving us this beautiful gift that it's baked right in the creation story. It's even before the fall where work is supposed to be a toil and and a curse. That's way before the fall. This work, even the work you love to do, you're to set aside, you're to relinquish it so that God can work in you as you put that aside. Your work and your worry, you're setting aside. And you relinquish it and giving it to God. I I come before this special day. It's set apart totally for you and that I can find rest in you. I want to invite, here's a spiritual practice for you this week. It's very, very simple. It's this, to stop and to trust and to rest. To stop and to trust and to rest. To find time in your week. If you could build a Sabbath day in a a, a day where you can stop your work, whatever you're doing, the work and the worry, and say, God, I relinquish... uh, I'm not the most important person in the universe. You are. I'm trusting you're going to take care of my work and my worries so I can find, I can find rest for my soul. Okay? Trust in him that I give it over to him. And he gives us this beautiful gift. But here's a, here's a last gift is this. He gives us the gift of, of, of decision. Finally, this. Our choice depends on our trust in God's goodness. Our choice depends on God's goodness. God called his creation good. He called us his prize very good. But check this Check this out. Now he, tell, he calls us to make a good choice. Maybe you told your kids, go make good choices today. And God says the same thing. He says this, the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. There's a lot of surely's in there. You ever notice that? There's a lot of don't, you know, surely, like, hey, trust me. Because this is the key. The key to all trust is trust in the goodness of God over your thinking that you know good for your life. That you know the way you should go. I've got this figured out versus going, no, God, you are good and you have good reason for where you take me. Now, if there's anything that I struggle with in Genesis' story is this. If it's all good, and in fact it's very good, and it's holy and separate and complete, God, why would you give us the ability to mess it up? Huh? Why even give us this gift, this gift of choice? You ever thought about that before? That is a very, really good question. And that's a hard question to answer. And we can't answer it today, but I will answer it with one word, though, to give a shot at it. And this is what it is. It's love. It's love. I want our team, if you guys can come and get ready, and I'm going to invite our uh, servers here in a moment just to get prepared. I want you to think about this question for you when it comes to love. Love. What What are we talking about? Well, love's a choice, right? Think about that. Real love is a choice. You might have had as 
kids, you might have had a toy that you pulled the cord of something. Now kids, you know, push the button or whatever it is on a toy you have or stuffed animal and it, it responds. Girls, maybe specifically back in the day, you had a, a little dolly and you pulled the cord and it says, I love you. You pull it, I love you. You know, a little, a little button, I love you. Does that little stuffed animal, that little dolly really love you? No. You're manipulating that doll to do that. God gave us this beautiful choice of, to love. Love is this choice, to love him back. Did God need, need our love? Did he, oh, that's why he created us, because he needs someone to love? No. But God is love. And he loved us first. The, the Bible says in 1 John, this is real love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That sacrifice, that perfect son and perfect sacrifice was the brashit. It was this highest and greatest gift, and it was proven on the cross. Like God shows his love for us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. I want you to think, go back to the gift. I want you to go back to the very beginning where it all began. Where it all began, not the beginning of last year or the beginning of your rebirth, but the very beginning. But as you think about that beginning, I want you to even go back even further. I want you to go back to the cross. You're thinking, well, that doesn't sound like the beginning. No, it's the beginning of, of what God's given us, the culmination of everything, the beginning of the cross and what Jesus accomplished, to go back to that, to go back to our starting point where it all began where our faith all began, where our faith matters is the cross and we're remembering the cross. And as you prepare in this time, in a moment here, there, our, our team will come and you're going to receive the, the, the cup and there's a little thing you're going to peel off and there's a little bread and there's a little cup. If you could get those ready and prepared and just hold them. And as you do, I want you to just go back to the same, the simple question I asked at the very beginning. It's like, where am I? How did I, this question, how did I get here? How did I get here, Lord? Where, and, and, and where am I with you? How did I get here in my relationship with you, in my, in my life? Begin to do an honest assessment of your heart right now. Again, it's not about location. It's about, it's about condition of your heart. And as, we, as you take this time to reflect, I want you to hold them and pray, and maybe some confession, and, and just whatever work the Lord needs to do. And then once we're all received him here and we're reflecting, we're going to we'll eat and drink together. Okay. Team, you can come now as we do this.
probably not a lot of time, but you're be able to reflect a little bit about your own, really asking that question, how did I get here? How did I get here? And this morning, as we remember Jesus, I'm also remembering a friend that passed away this last week. Brad Smith. Brad was uh, not only my chiropractor and I was his pastor, uh, but he, he was my friend and a friend of many in this room today. And our heart is very, very heavy this week. Uh, Brad, I, I first really kind of got to know him uh, through another kind of stranger. I, I was sitting in a meeting, and this person come up, his name was John, and he says, uh, you, you need to connect with Brad Smith. He goes to your church. And I said, gosh, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with the name, of course, Pandemic, we've had a lot of things happen, and you know, he, him and his wife, they're, they're chiropractors, him and his wife Dana, and I'm like, oh, okay, I, I think I know who that is, and so I, I got Brad's number, and we got together, and um, he shared his story, he shared that he had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and going through treatment, and very, very positive, and if everyone knows Brad, he was positive, Mr. Positive on everything, and he turned it back on me, and he says, he goes, hey, how's your back? And he, so he, y'all come on in. And so I spent time with Brad a couple times a week. Plus he was part of our, one of our quad groups. And so early Monday morning, 6 a.m., Brad came in. He was, he was typically the first there. And he was ready to go, ready to engage, ready to be involved in community. And he continued to inspire us. And we would spend time in prayer together. And, you know, you'd share some prayer requests and, and uh, he was so sympathetic to him, but you're just going, you have pancreatic cancer. And, and he would say this phrase over and over, God is good, God is good. And we finished up our, our time, and here's, here's a picture of Brad. Let's take a look at that. Got a picture there. And Brad's in the, in the blue. that smile says it all that's how he left this world and entered it on that that smile went into heaven that smile where he was greeted by his savior and i believe that brad would say those words again god is good as we hold these symbols we hold these symbols of goodness, all goodness, the good work of creation, the very work, very good work of us as his prized creation. But as you know, the story continues, it wasn't good, but what happened next? Through the fall, it became not good, and goodness needed to be restored, but it was restored through love, that Jesus came as the Bashit gift that God gave us, this good and perfect gift of his sacrifice. And so when Jesus presented at the Last Supper, he presented this gift of his very self, symbolic in in the bread. He says, this is my body. It's to be broken, it's to be beaten, and it's to be tortured, and it's to be put to death to give you Let us eat together.
later on he began to talk about the sacrifice that he would make of his blood shed for the forgiveness of sins, this new agreement that things were good and now they weren't good and now they're going to be good. They're going to be ultimately done through the shedding of his blood to this agreement, this new covenant of his sacrifice of forgiveness of sins. He says, drink in remembrance of me. Let us drink together. Let's pray. It's in these moments, these very moments, Lord, we can declare to taste and see that the Lord is good. The substance and the sweetness of the symbolic work of the sacrifice on the cross that Jesus, you did for us is a, is a declaration of your goodness. And it's very good. And it's perfect. It's holy. The very Bashit, you, Lord, given to us because of this great love for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I pray that as we have received and as we remember, Lord, that you are doing a good work. You are doing a good work in us. And that gift continues to get. That, that, that creation continues to create. And just like a, a local artist who, who spent the time in creating, Lord, you're still creating and doing a good work in us. And that good work is for us to do the good work that you've called us to do as well. That we continue to continue to see that to its completion, where it be perfect and holy and offering to you back. And so, Lord, I pray that as we remember lives and we, we remember our, our, our brother Brad and, and the life that, that, that we had, and for many of us, it's just been a year of knowing him. That Brad declared that he he before cancer, he he was a believer, but through his journey this last year he is a close follower with you and he can't get any closer now now to be with you oh lord may we declare the same thing today that you are good god and that you have good in store for us ahead in the days of of grief as we think of brad's family and the in the days of of joy that we'll have and what you have us through and as declared today, even the, the days of hope ahead that we have in trusting in you of this good work, to go back to where it all began, to go back to the cross of Jesus, that we now can move and we can live and we can proceed in the journey that you have for us this week together. I heard this phrase that says this, your life is God's gift to you. What you do with it is your gift to God. Let's, we receive the gift. Let's live that gift out this week. Will you stand as we, as our team comes and they will collect. You can just pass your cups to the aisle as we close in this final song. I want you to know if it's been a heavy week for us in our community here. So if you have any needs, any prayer you need, we have a lot of people that going through a lot of things. Our team is available to pray with you. I hope and pray that you can start this journey in Genesis together. God's still creating. He's doing a good work. Let's be a part of this opportunity together as a church together.
here for you. We love you. Let us know how we can serve you more. Have a great week. Let's sing this together.